All views and opinions expressed during this podcast are that of AC and Scully. We are not qualified psychologists or legal professionals, so all opinions are just that, opinions, and should not be considered any type of legal or psychological advice. And if you get your feelings hurt, eh. Hey, Scully, do you know what I absolutely love about VioletIvyBoutique.com? What? Plus sizes that are affordable, stylish, flatter my body, and the dresses have pockets. I was going to say and have pockets. Yes, (laughs) absolutely love it. And what I love uh, about it is it also caters to like non-plus size people. So she has something for everybody. So... How's your experience been with Violet Ivy? I love the cardigans and that no matter what you get, she has options that you can keep changing the look. So you can get the tank top and wear it with a cardigan. Or if it's summer, you can just wear the tank top. It's covering. It's flattering. You can pair it with a blue one. You can pair it with a yellow one. Like you have multiple options. It looks like you have this wide variety of clothes when you've got two or three options from her. I love it. I absolutely love it. And her nail designs are on point. Hand yeah, it's painted. I can't believe a person does that. I know. She does it. Yeah. Hand painted, press on nails that are affordable. So if you're looking for a great style, check out VioletNivyBoutique.com. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Take a Coffee Break and Chill podcast. This is a true crime segment. And with any true crime, segment there will be disturbing information shared so please take care while listening hey coffee breakers it's ac and scully and we are back with you today for a murder monday as well as a fugitive monday i mean technically it's a missing monday but he's a fugitive so it's not like our normal missing person case so Um, Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Miss Mary Ellen Denier um, and how we are um, looking for her killer. So, Mary Ellen Denier was born July the 27th, 1951 to Cassie Denier Jones in the Memphis, Tennessee area. However, by the time Mary Ellen was 14 years old, the family was living in Mansfield, Ohio. Um... Mary Ellen was the eldest of seven children. Jeez. And as you know, all children have their chores. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Mary Ellen's was um, laundry. And the girls, from what I can understand, the girls did like the laundry and the washing the dishes. The boys took out the trash and swept them off the floors, that kind of thing. So this is yeah. like their daily rotation of chores um mary ellen's sister myrtle describes mary ellen as just a normal 14 year old that was always smiling and singing and giggling okay um so on november 14th 1965 mary ellen and her younger sister found themselves in a little bit of a pickle because the family's clothes dryer had broken after they washed the clothes, so they were stuck with wet clothes. Okay. So Cassie, their mother, gave Mary Ellen and her sister Brenda permission to take a taxi into the town um, 
to the local laundromat called Half Hour Laundry to dry the clothes. Okay. This is in 65. This is when she's 14? Yes. Okay. Cassie believed the girls would be safe because the girl's grandmother lived next to the laundromat. Okay. So, as the girls dried the family's clothes, they ran out of quarters. So... I don't know if any of y'all had the pleasure of using a laundromat. Mm. I have. Some have coin machines where you can, like, put some dollars in and get change. Others do not. Unfortunately, half hour did not. Mm. But there was a laundromat that was about a five-minute walk away, so less than a fourth of a mile away, that did. Why didn't they go to Grandma? Well, Mary Ellen tells Brenda her younger sister to stay at half hour and she's going to walk the quarter of a mile to the other laundromat to get quarters and that she would be right back brenda was 12 so brenda waited for what seemed like a very long time and she got nervous so she did go to her grandmother's and tell her that uh, mary ellen had went to go get change and she hadn't come back so her grandmother told Brenda to stay there at her house and that she was going to go walk to find her it wasn't a far walk so she goes starts walking so as she starts um, she sees the police and Mm. then she sees Mary Ellen oh wow Mary Ellen had been shot twice in the abdominal area Okay. Okay. The police were able to determine the caliber of bullet used, so they started looking at gun cells in the area. So just on the side of the road? Um, in an alleyway. Oh, so wow. was, from what I can understand, and this, y'all, I didn't say this at the very beginning. Uh, this um, comes from Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, see, Volume Two, Episode Three, Death Row Inmate is the name of the episode. So, from what I can understand, it's like a sidewalk you walk down in, like, a little alleyway. Like, yeah, but like behind the house. Right. Yeah, just right there. Okay. So, um, she had been shot twice, but also she had been sexually assaulted, as well as blunt force trauma to the head. And I'm going to get into all those details here in just a few minutes. So, police start looking at who in the world could possibly have done this to this 14-year-old baby. Um, They go immediately, they go into, like, the different places that sells guns in the area. Mm -hmm. So they go into a place called Diamond Hardware Store, okay? Um, They see a weapon that fit the specs of the gun that was used to kill Mary Ellen, um, like, in their description, like, sale receipts. And they were able to determine that Lester EU Banks had bought the gun. And then they started talking to people, in, like, in that area. And one witness placed Lester in that area. Okay. okay. Um, so Myrtle, one of uh, Mary Ellen's sisters who was interviewed for Unsolved Mysteries, reports that while she didn't know Eubanks, she had seen him walking around town. Like, okay. he was 22 at the time. She said that he always, she always thought that he was weird. Is he, like, homeless? No, he's not homeless, but just odd, like a loner, like, not around other people. But mostly because he would walk up and down the streets with nunchucks, kind of, like, just swinging them, like, to himself. So he stood out. 
Yeah, he stood out. Um, Lester had grown up in Mansfield. Um, and that, but here's the thing about Lester. He could just kind of blend in anywhere he went. He was like almost a chameleon. He could kind of just fit in. He was really good at talking. Um, so he just kind of blended. So Deputy U.S. Marshal David Sire says that he would be known as a sexual predator today if this would have happened today. So Eubanks had already incurred two sex, offend sex offenses. And he was actually out on bond for how to get a weapon for attempt <laughs> it's the 60s um attempted rape on the night that mary ellen was murdered and that's honestly dumb luck because what made them think it was a new purchase like that mm. was literally a shot in the dark it was a shot in the dark absolutely 100 percent. it was a shot in the dark so officers located eubanks and brought him in for an interview mm. and he confessed okay well thanks <laughs> he gave he gave a detailed confession mm. he said that he was in the area when mary ellen walked past him he grabbed her he tried to pull her behind the house and she started to scream so he put her his hand over her mouth but he was afraid of her drawing attention so he shoots her twice in the stomach area wow yeah um he leaves her he leaves um, and went back home to his apartment, which was close around to the area. It was like around, like around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, he got dressed, took a shower, got ready to go dancing. Okay. And then as he was walking back toward downtown, he passed Mary Ellen, who was still alive, and asking for help. So he took a brick out of the alley and hit her in the head face with it multiple times until she died. So he shot her, sexually assaulted her, mm -hmm. went home, showered, was going out to party, came back, she was still alive, and he hit her with a brick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, monster. Yeah. He went to trial in May of 1966. Um, he actually testified at his own trial. And he, weird. I know, but he showed zero remorse. I mean, that confession shows zero remorse. Right. Um, and he, again, confessed on the stand. Okay. So, almost like he was proud. That sounds like. So, he was found guilty of first-degree murder and penetrating rape. And he was actually given the death penalty. Good. Okay. He was placed on death row. And they allowed death row inmates to kind of... From what I can understand, back then and even now, being on death row is like the best possible place you can be in the prison as far mm -hmm. as amenities and like privileges goes. I know it's weird, but we're not, I'm not, I, I, that's a bigger, I don't know how accurate it is. Mm. I just, when I was watching um, I'm a Murderer, they, they, like one dude killed some, like his cellmate just so he could get put on death row because it was better there. So, I don't know how accurate it is. So, okay. but he, Lester, was allowed to paint. And he was actually a um, pretty decent artist. So, on three separate occasions, his execution was pushed back. 
for very does it say various why? reasons. But the final um, execution date was pushed back indefinitely in 1972 because the Supreme Court of the United States at that point um, had ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional. Okay. So it that was three days prior to his scheduled execution. I got lucky. So his sentence was converted to a life sentence. Okay. okay. He was put in gin pop. All right. And um, it was reported that Eubanks was able to win people over. He was very, he had a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this time, there was a program in the prison system that allowed inmates to join an honors program for doing well while in prison. And okay. while I'm down for stuff like this, okay, I want, I want, I want to kind of explain to you what it is. So basically, it's like you do well, you get more freedoms, okay. Um, I do not think that. I mean, it, it, well, it depends on the freedoms, whether I'm down with it or not. So I don't think anybody who's given a life sentence should be allowed to venture outside of the prison. No, I think at that point, what else do you have to lose? You're already there, in there for life. You can escape. Right. And that's what happens here. So I'm just going to go ahead into details. So he, um, these programs allowed them to do stuff. So like sometimes they'd get, be able to get a little job and be able to venture out of the prison they'd be able to earn money and go shopping and things of that nature well lester was a part of this program okay he did really well on december 7th 1973 this is eight years after mary ellen um was killed how old he is uh he was 22 so he would be 28 okay at this time so he goes um, it's him and four other inmates. They go to a shopping mall. Okay. They are accompanied by guards, but the guards do, do not stay with them. It's more of a, all right, check back here in, in four hours. Like we'll meet at this place. <clears throat> Lots of freedom, right? Way too much. Especially for somebody who. For any of them. <laughs> okay. Maybe, but especially for somebody who's been given a life right. sentence. Like what does he have to lose? Right. Well, he took off. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> he took off, mm-hmm. and he is still out there to this day. Wow. He has never been caught. So uh, he actually made it up to out to California, where he lived with his brother's widow. Um, How do we know that? She, 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 tell, she told it. But she didn't tell it? Not until after he was gone. Um... I don't know how many years it was, but he took on the alias of Victor Young. Um, he was able to get a job. He worked at um, a waterbed factory for a while, and then he worked as a janitor at a, like a care home. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes, under the name Victor Young, okay? Do not know what his other aliases may be. Certainly he has more by now. Um, I want to say it was in 2019 that a person came forward who claimed to be the biological son of Lester Eubanks, stating that his mother was raped mm. and that he was the product of that rape. Um, so and here's the thing about Lester Eubanks, okay? He's been doing it. Like, he, has, he might not have killed anybody, but he has absolutely been assaulting other people 100%. Like, 
you don't have two attempted. You don't have one rape, one attempted rape, a rape on this child that you murdered, and then you go to prison for eight years, and then you're just healed. That's not how that goes whatsoever, no. So he's out there. He would be... I want to say in his 70s today. So I was trying to figure out. He's got to be older than that. Because if in 51, is that when this took place? 65. So in 65, he was 22. Mm-hmm. So he's born in 43. Yep. Oh, damn. 80s. He would be 80-something. 80 81. If he made it to 81. Yeah. So the case is that we just don't know. Don't know where he is. I mean, I hope Homegirl was charged. <clears throat> she wasn't. Not with like I'm aiding aware. and abetting, like not that I'm aware of. As she should be, especially if he stayed with her for a hot minute. It was a little bit. Now he started getting kind of violent with her, and so she was like, "The FBI's been asking around," and he took off, according to her. I don't like none of that. I don't like none of that either. And I'm with you. Like, if you knew he escaped from prison, like you Raping absolutely and murdering a 14 year old girl, right? Like, brutally like he and did, said it and and claimed it and seemed to be proud right. of it i mean i can't speak for the man's harder mind but like if you get i don't know it just seemed very callous the way that it was depicted on unsolved mysteries so he's like yeah i did it and you know even if he said it sad like you're not staying with me no like you're going somewhere else you show up at my house i'm like cool, cool. Yeah, i'm in the other room dialing whomever <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna like let you stay no. i'm gonna make sure you go back in like right you don't deserve to be out and about and the fact that he, he he lived his life that we know of so here's the thing like if you do get like fake identity papers he could be in prison right now we just don't know it I mean, that's true. I, I've, there's cases like that before they started fingerprinting to mm-hmm. match and stuff. And even then, if he was fingerprinted under this new name... It wouldn't be a tie. It tied, wouldn't be able right. to tie back to him. So. Right. So I don't know. I do know. So the... Um, I feel like he'd tell. Oh, like yeah. If he was detained and arrested, he would, he would tell. But I don't think that he has never not had a speeding ticket, a parking ticket, nothing in these years like they yeah. he's been in contact with police in some way they yeah. just didn't know who he was yeah so I had no reason to suspect he was some fugitive from a whole nother state or whatever right. like, from out of the 70s like he's been out since the 70s it does make me very very angry yeah I mean he lived his life he took that poor girls and then he went on to live his life yeah and continued apparently if the story that the came forward continued to rape at the very least, continued to rape. Probably that. So, and they, he offered his DNA so that maybe they could do a DNA search, but they can't put partial, like, they can't put a family member's DNA into CODIS. It has to be perpetrator's DNA. And they don't even have his. They right? don't have, no, no. In 60, in no. They don't have anything to compare it to to, to say, oh, yeah, that's right. whatever. Yeah. Mm. So, if you know somebody... It's got a weird story or a propensity for raping people. Go ahead, call the U.S. Marshal's office. They would love to take your call. Yeah, that's that's extremely sad. It is extremely sad. And when I watched that episode, I was like, oh, no, I got to cover it. Like, we got to catch him. I don't understand he's 80. Yeah. But I don't. I, he shouldn't be able to, to die, like, just out here among everybody else. He need to die in prison. I mean, I, I know that well, sounds I bad. Well, I that area that it... Um, 
He's believed to be in, on the West Coast, so from California up to Seattle. Well, I'm saying where he was in prison. I hope that made them rethink this program where we gave oh, yeah. it, it, allowances. And and I'm okay for that, especially for people that are going to be re like entered into the society. Mm-hmm. So like lower-level offenses, you know, that kind of thing. Sure, 100%. Go ahead and do it. And I do think there are certain work-release programs. There, there obviously are because... Mm-hmm. And that's cool for me. Yeah. Like, but this the life, you got life. And much, much, much lower level offenses. Like, yes. you bring me a drug charge, sure, we can work with that. But not, not murder and rape. Not murder, not, not assault for me. Like, I don't think that, I just, it, it, period. It's a, it's risk. Yeah. Like you're putting someone that has a propensity to do this. Well, honestly, if you're going to prison for any kind of assault charge, it's a bad assault charge. Right. It's not like you can punch somebody in the face. You go to jail for that. You don't go to prison for that. Right. Typically. But you also, <laughs> that's my, I guess that's my point, is like, it's just like you certain charges. People. Yeah. Yeah. Trent, you know, white collar stuff. Is it white collar or blue collar? The one, no, because blue collar is hard working, right? White collar is supposed to be like the ones that are in suits and stuff. Yes. Stuff like that, like transactional stuff, financial like fraud. Yeah. Like I could, yeah, work something out, but not not anything remotely close to what this man did. No, I would even say the rape would be hard-pressed, like, for that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so mm. if, if you see something, say something, coffee breakers. And let's remember Miss Mary Ellen, her uh, sister Myrtle, is still adamantly looking for him. So, like, absolutely. I would love for Miss Myrtle to have some closure. Yeah. So. And if he's dead, let me let it be known. I mean, apparently Homegirl was like, hey, he stayed with me for however long. Like, I can't remember, but I want to say it was a couple years. Like, it wasn't just, like, a pop-in thing. Oh, my gosh, that makes me sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and another word of advice. Don't harbor fugitives. No. Just do us all a favor. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand people come to you and say, oh, I didn't do that, or they're making it out, but home dude claimed it. Yeah. Like, it's not like he was like, I've been, you know. Uh, I've been mis- Because, let's be honest with you. Wrongful convictions happen. And the way that it, it just so happened that he purchased it. So, I mean, it could very well have been somebody who, bur- like, legally got the gun mm-hmm. same day, just happened to be in the area. Like, that can be all very circumstantial. Yeah. So the fact that he owned it like flat out from the get that's totally different yeah it's not like he came to you and was like listen i was just there like i didn't i have nothing to do with this it's just i'm weird you know i'm weird so the guy came after me right i mean no this man said he did it a lot over and over and then you're like cool you can stay with me and then he got violent so i told him like ugh, i ain't got nothing for you yeah so yeah if you see something say something coffee breakers Good night. Bye.